Well, this is the Midweek Devotional for Wednesday, February the 3rd. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Parker Johnson. This Midweek Devotional is brought to you by Maxwell House Decaf Coffee. When your hands start to shake after three cups of regular coffee, it's time to switch over. You may find Maxwell House Decaf in any reputable retail outlet. A couple announcements. Uh, First, we have had to postpone the missions conference. Uh, If you're new to our congregation, uh, every year at the end of February, we have a three-day missions conference in which we bring in missionaries that we support as a church to hear what the Lord is doing and also to renew our faith promise. Because of COVID restrictions, uh, because of the health of our congregation, we have decided to postpone this year, not cancel, postpone. We are looking at other dates where we can have some of our missionaries come in Uh, and uh, and join us. Uh, This is not just because of our safety, but also because of our missionaries. Uh, Certainly as they travel, uh, they risk exposure, but but also not all of them have been able to come this year, the ones who had committed uh, because of health concerns. Uh, And so we are looking for another date that will work for everyone. So stay tuned for for what that's going to look like and when. Also, I have some good news. If, uh, If you know Doug and Kelly McNutt, Uh, who have recently joined our church. Actually, Doug's not technically a member of the church. He's a PCA pastor, uh, but his family, Kelly, and their five kids, uh, Moses, Mia, McKenna, Genevieve, and uh, Judah. Uh, Doug is in Uganda right now, and we've just learned that they had their opening ceremony for their newly accredited seminary that uh, will be teaching Ugandan pastors They've been working forward, uh, working toward it for many years, uh, and I was able to speak to him on the phone this morning at 47 cents a minute and was able to hear the good news. So praise be to God. Praise be to God. Please be in prayer for him as he travels. He'll be coming home, I think, in about three weeks. He's traveling and teaching at different um, satellite offices of this seminary. So let's pray. So, Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that we would know it better, and as we know it better, we would know you better. Help us this morning as we look at Deuteronomy. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, I am uh, plowing through uh, Deuteronomy right now in my daily reading. Uh, and I think I'm about on track, and that's because I started early. <laughs> so that means probably next week I'll be behind. But that's okay. Uh, this morning I was reading in Deuteronomy chapter 14, which is slap dab in the middle of all of those regulations that we have received before in uh, Exodus and uh, Numbers and Deuteronomy, uh, Leviticus, Exodus, Deuteronomy. What did I miss? Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Sorry is what I'm trying to say. But now Deuteronomy, Moses is delivering in several speeches, directions, and instructions for God's people before they head over into the Promised Land. Remember, he will not be going with them. Uh, but instead is giving them instructions before they go. And so the Deuteronomy, or second law, uh, is what the the word Deuteronomy means. He is reiterating these things from the Lord. And so as we get to Deuteronomy chapter 14, we see uh, the instructions again for tithing. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is not so much to talk about tithing this morning, although tithing is important and it's giving 10% uh, of your income to the Lord, to the local congregation. Uh, And so that's good, and we are commanded to do that. However, I want to focus on some different elements of tithing this morning. But first, let me read the text, and and then we'll unpack it together. So this is Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 22 through 27. 
You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. And before the Lord your God, in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, of your oil, and of the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And if the way is too long for you, so that you are not able to carry the tithe, when the Lord your God blesses you, because the place is too far from you, which the Lord your God chooses to set his name there, then you shall turn it into money, and bind up the money in your hand, and go to the place that the Lord your God chooses, and spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves. And you shall eat there before the Lord your God, and rejoice, you and your household. And you shall not neglect the Levite, who is within your towns, for he has no portion or inheritance with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Why do we need to look at this? Well, as God's people were preparing to go into the land, Moses reminds them of the call to tithe. And it's through the tithe that they will be reminded each year of God's faithfulness. Uh, They're going to entrust the Lord Right? As you give some of it away, you're trusting that the Lord will provide. It's much like not working on the Sabbath. Right? If we don't work on the Sabbath, we do so trusting that the Lord will give us the time we need to accomplish all that we need. And it's also a way of thanking the Lord, right? returning thanks to Him. And it's also a way of rejoicing, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But they're about to go into the Promised Land, and the Promised Land, they are going to be an agricultural uh, community. Right? And so most of their resources are going to be in the forms of the harvest of the seed and of fruit from the vine. Like it's an actual fruit, like actual grapes. Or um, cows and goats and sheep from their uh, herds and flocks. And so these are the things that they will be tithing. I mean, you literally, if you had 10 cows, guess what? One of them went to God. Uh, If you had 25 bushels, I have no clue if that's a lot or a little. If you had 25 bushels from your harvest, then you would give 2.5 bushels to the Lord. But here's the thing. God was going to bless them so much that logistics had to be thought through. They they were going to have a good problem. There was going to be a good problem to have in that they were going to have so much that they had to think through logistics. God is a God of logistics. Uh, And so he is going to give commands of of how this logistically is going to work. What do I mean by the fact that he was going to bless them so much? Well, one, the land was going to be so big. Up until this point, God's people, as they wander around in the desert for 40 years, and then some towards the end, they also kind of settle on the eastern side of the Jordan and some kingdoms that they had conquered. Uh, But largely, they're very concentrated in an area, and so they didn't have to travel very far, you know, as they encamped around the tabernacle. If you needed to tithe, guess what? You you know, you walked the several hundred yards or half a mile or whatever it was uh, to the tabernacle, to the place where God uh, was to be met with. Well, well, here's the thing. The the promised land is going to be so big, north to south, east to west, that... Now they have to receive instruction of of where they are to tithe and how they are going to tithe. First, where they're going to tithe, they they do have to. The main tithe is going to go to uh, the place where God sets aside for the tabernacle to be. So that's going to be several different places in the Old Testament. And finally, you're going to get the temple in Jerusalem. 
And so people would have to travel at least once a year to take the tithe to uh, the place where God set aside. But here's the thing. How are you going to transport when God gives you such a bountiful harvest? How are you going to transport those goods? Right? Like, like Most of our income now comes in the form of a direct deposit or a check or cash. Right? I mean... Uh, rarely do people get paid in kind these days. Uh, rarely do pe- And if you do raise crops, what are you doing? You're going to sell them for cash. Well, in those days, it was a little different. I mean, you got your harvest, and that was more or less what you had to barter with. And so what are they going to do when they get the 25 bushels or, or whatever their, the, you know, the measure is of the day? Um, are they going to have to physically carry 2.5 bushels? And that's just the harvest of the grain. Uh, to the place where God has set up his tabernacle. That, that would be pretty tough. I mean, logistically, uh, animals were expensive, and the, the journey would be hard and long. There certainly would be the risk of uh, theft uh, or spoilage or spilling. Well, God makes provision for these logistics. So, so what does he tell, it, tell us? Well, in verse 25, he says, Then you shall turn it into money. And bind up the money in your hand and go to the place that the Lord your God chooses. Uh, the word money here literally is silver, which was the primary metal of trade in those days. And so you would turn it into silver and you would bind it up and you would take it with you. It's, it's still the Lord's, right? It's still the Lord's, but you would take it with you to the place where God chooses. Verse 25, then the transaction on the other end. Uh, excuse me, verse 26, uh, the transaction on the other end, we read, and spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves. And so you would take it to the place, and then uh, there would be people who could exchange the money, um, and you could buy things with it. This, by the way, is the background for the money changers who are in the temple when Jesus shows up to... Uh, cleanse the temple upon his triumphal entry into Jerusalem in the last week before his uh, crucifixion and burial and resurrection. And the problem was, you know, anytime you have finances, there's always the opportunity for many to corrupt it and to extort people, uh, extort pious folks who were seeking to, to worship the Lord as God had commanded, and, and yet they were um, instead using it for their own gain and extorting people. So that's what's in view there. All right, so, but here's the thing. That's great logistically, right? So, so but, but there's more meat here. There's more meat here. Th- this is what's fun. And spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves. And you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household. Y'all, this is a party. This is a party. This was a time of rejoicing as you and your family went up and gave thanks to the Lord for, uh, for what he had done and returning thanks to him and returning to him his portion and, and, and praising God that he, got, he lets you keep the 90% to use for your own provision. And you would go and there would be a memorial portion of whatever it was that would be given to the Levites, to the priests, uh, and to, well, not all Levites were priests, but to the Levite clan. And that's how they were supported through the tithes. But part of it, you would get to party with your friends. 
and rejoice together. Perhaps folks you hadn't seen in a while, perhaps relations uh, that you hadn't seen in a while or live in different areas of the promised land. This is an imagery of having fun and fellowship. You know, I think there's there's a tie here to our passage for this Sunday. Um, Let's see. I'm preaching on Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. And 42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. The Greek word there is koinonia and may technically refer to the Lord's Supper. We'll be talking more about that Sunday. But it also just refers to, hey, the union, the unity that we have in Christ, the bond we share together. Uh, You know, it is a delight to get to meet and see folks at church and to enjoy that fellowship together. And that is what's going on here. And note that this isn't some sort of stodgy meeting with, um, you know, uh, your spouse's boss or something that you have to be on your P's and Q's to make sure you say the right things or use the right forks. Uh, This is a time of rejoicing, and you shall eat there before the Lord and rejoice, right? Have joy. And note that he's, he's saying, hey, buy wine or strong drink. The ESV Study Bible points out that it is assumed in Scripture that there is going to be alcohol at parties, and weddings. <laughs> you know, I like that. That, that's, that's a, uh, that was a helpful point. Now, obviously, if you struggle with drunkenness, then you should not um, partake, and we should be sensitive to those who struggle with drunkenness and abusing alcohol, right? Those are all, always those caveats. But certainly, when we see Jesus in John chapter 2, in his first miracle, I think it's John 2, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I'm pretty sure that's right, you know, where he turns the water into wine, right? And this was, yep, John 2. And it was good wine, right? And he made lots and lots of it. It's a time of rejoicing. Certainly drunkenness is wrong, but enjoying wine or strong drink when we celebrate, when we rejoice, uh, that's a biblical thing. And God says, hey, when you go to the, to the tabernacle to do this, hey, enjoy good fellowship with one another. But there is certainly more than this. This is not just a party. This is a party that is set aside, that is set apart. It would have been different from the parties of um, the pagan nations, right, for certainly debauchery, drunkenness, uh, immorality, which would have defined those sorts of gatherings. Certainly that's not allowed here. Um, But also it's because they are doing it in the presence of the Lord. And you shall eat there before the Lord, that's Yahweh, all caps, L-O-R-D, Yahweh, your God. There is a sense in when they they had to go to the tabernacle to do this. Uh, They had to go later to the temple courts to do this. Why? Because it, it wasn't just parting with one another. You were parting with one another with the Lord together, celebrating together. It was a meal of worship. And it was a fun meal of worship. Certainly this points us to the fellowship meal that we enjoy together. And what is the fellowship meal that we enjoy together? I mean, certainly we can speak of Wednesday night suppers, uh, when we were doing them, uh, gathering together as the saints. But there is a, certainly a special meal that I think this can point us towards, and that is the Lord's Supper. And I think that is what's going on in Acts chapter 2 verse 42 
We read there, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. And then it says, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Now, breaking of bread is is a normal Hebrew expression in terms of eating. However, it takes on in the New Testament a technical sense. I don't know every time, but oftentimes, and I I think that's what's going on here, of um, the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper. And here is the meal of fellowship, the meal of rejoicing, the meal of remembrance in which we rejoice together as God's people. But also we rejoice in the presence of the Lord in an even more powerful way than this text from Deuteronomy would indicate. And even in a more powerful way in the main communion meal of the Old Testament, which was, uh, which was the Passover. When we get to the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, Christ himself is the host as we will, we're taking communion this Sunday, it's very apt as we're studying this passage, we'll take communion this Sunday. And, and as we gather, I am not the host of the table. I am uh, simply ministering in the name of Jesus and distributing the elements. But it is Jesus who is the host. We are sitting at, at his table. And not only is he the host, he is that which we feast upon spiritually. And as we rejoice in what he has done for us as we call it to mind, and he is feeding us spiritually, right? He is nourishing our faith, growing us in his grace. But there is a sense in which there is another meal pointed to, both in the Deuteronomy text and also in the Lord's Supper. And we find that mentioned over in Luke chapter 22, um, verse, uh, verse 29 and verse 30. Uh, And I assign to you, as my Father assigned to me, a kingdom. He's talking to the apostles here. That you may eat and drink at my table, in my kingdom, and sit on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. This table uh, is a reference to the great wedding feast of the Lamb. Right When when Christ comes back and and all is made new, um, it'll be a time of rejoicing. And fellowship, and it will be a time of a great feast where we sit down with saints from all ages uh, and enjoy a great feast together. We find this referenced in Revelation uh, chapter 19. Well, all that to say is that uh, God was going to bless them beyond measure. Logistics had to be made because their blessing was going to be so big. They could do this thing by by selling uh, what they had, their tithe, into hard currency and then purchasing uh, what they could on the the tail end of the same amount for their tithe there uh, in the place that God set aside. And, and, And part of that was set aside for the Levites and part of it was set aside for a fellowship meal where they partied, where they rejoiced with their brothers and sisters before, and, and it was before the Lord in the presence of God. And this points us to a greater meal, and that is of the Lord's Supper. And the Lord's Supper also points us to an even greater meal, the, the wedding feast of the Lamb. Well, as we move forward to uh, the beginning of next week, the Lord's Day, Sabbath, Sunday, we will be taking the Lord's Supper. And, and so I encourage you to be examining your hearts, to look forward to this day, uh, as we will fellowship one with another as we take communion 
and then also fellowship and communion with the Lord. Let's pray. So, Father, we thank you uh, that your word is going out here and around the world. Uh, Lord, we thank you um, for the meal that we get to take part in Sunday. Lord, I pray that you would help us to prepare our hearts for that. And we yearn for the great wedding feast of the Lamb. We pray that day would come soon. In the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen.